Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. The information depicted in this podcast is purely for informational purposes only. Please consult your healthcare professional before making any changes to your lifestyle or routine. Hey everyone and welcome to the Boost Your Biology podcast. My name is Lucas and I'm the founder of Ergogenic Health. Together in this podcast series, we will go underground to explore cutting edge health and human performance insights that you simply cannot search on Google to help you upgrade your existence. So without any further ado, let's jump into today's episode. What's up fam, Lucas here. I want to take a moment to announce a couple of things to all my new listeners on the podcast. Firstly, if you're looking to upgrade your brain function, whether that be through reducing brain fog, enhancing verbal fluency, improving confidence, motivation, drive, or even orgasm intensity, then check out my nootropics course, which can be found on my website at www.ergogenic.health. And you'll see at the top, it will say courses where you can use the discount code BYB15 to save 15% off. In addition, I also have a sleep optimization masterclass and a testosterone optimization course that can also be accessed on my website. Again, you can use the same discount code BYB15 to save 15% off. Hello, everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of the Boost Your Biology podcast. Today, I'm joined in with a good pal of mine over in Portland, Oregon. I'm in in SoCal. SoCal. Uh, Dr. Michael Moyla. So uh, we sort of connected uh, probably about a year and a half ago, uh, I think through either Jay Campbell's um, YouTube channel or IG. Uh, We did a podcast a while back. 
Um, and yeah, I just thought I'd bring you back on the show to share his sort of expertise and experience in the realm of regenerative medicine, um, optimizing human health and I guess hormonal therapy. So Michael, welcome to the show, man. Hey, glad to be here, Lucas. Yeah. I think, um, we, I think I was on Jay's show and you were listening and we were, um, I was talking with Jay about natural therapies for TRT (laughs) And the ashwagandha conversation got brought up. I, if I believe right, and I, I, I had said something about like it didn't do a lot of good for me, and I've seen it with patients messing people up. And you reached out to me like you're like, bro, I know, like I had this happen to me. I've been, I've been in the rabbit hole, like researching. And it's like they had, this has some SSRI properties. There's a lot of like weird stuff with this, you know, because in natural medicine, the the ashwagandha is like one of the heavy hitters. Like, oh, ashwagandha is great. Give it to everyone. Good all the time. And uh, I didn't do that great on it. And one of my really good buddies was like just driven to the ground with fatigue with it. Mm. And so when you reached out to me, I'm like, what do you know? And then after that, we started chatting. And then, um, yeah, it's probably been was a month or two, at least since you were on my show and we're dropping some knowledge bombs on like mm. the the N, the 9MCB. What is that one? 9MBT, yeah. Yeah. I got a lot of people asking me about that. I'm like, dude, go to his blog. That's his jam. So <laughs> you yeah, you... you You've definitely dropped some some gems in that. So too, and I saw your 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 uh, um, blogging a little bit with Jay now too. Yeah. So that's cool, man. Good for you. Mm. Since that um, ashwagandha sort of episode, I ended up writing a blog and then uploading a video on YouTube, and that's definitely caught a lot of um, attention. Because uh, yeah, that that needs to be publicized. Uh, the fact that it can sort of mimic the effects of SSRIs for some uh, guys, it can be really sensitive to the. Um, that 5-HT1A desensitization. Um, well, it's funny, you know, from a natural perspective, we want to use all these um, more least invasive stuff. And I know you, I think you and I are very philosophically aligned that we want to get the job done, right? Mm-hmm. Like you can take a lot of herbs that are supposed to do this and that, but at the end of the day, it's like what results, right? You and I talked a lot about like, do I take this and feel better? I mean, maybe placebo wise, I might think I feel better, but there's certain things like, I think yours was the uridine, yeah. Uh, that kind of like, we were like, dang, like this stuff works. Mine, I did it like on Hooperzine where I'm like, this stuff works. And it only makes sense that if it's going to do good things, it's, it's almost has to have a proclivity to at least do something bad in some way, shape or form. If it's going to mm-hmm. have any effect, like nitrous in a car, it's going to make it faster. But it's going to be harder to control and you can fly off the rails a whole lot easier. So, um, and in the biohacking world, I think that's one thing that is uh, severely under talked about are the negative side effects of a lot of these biohacks. Like I'm all, I like nicotine. I like, uh, you know, one thing I, I don't, maybe I'll bring, uh, ask you about methylene blue. Did you, have you looked into that much? Yeah. You know, that's yeah. one I'm, I'm, I'm excited about. I've not messed with, but I'm still like kind of skeptical of just from a safety profile thing. And that's coming up right now in the peptide world. So, you know, half of being a responsible, uh, clinician or mentors, like we need to look at the safety of these things. And often when we think natural, we think no side effects and that, uh, that to be honest, is just not true. Mm. So. Yeah. I mean, if you look at the the very first principle of the naturopathic sort of philosophy, first, do no harm. So yeah, that's how we roll, man. That's how we roll. So with, um, let's actually look at methylene blue because, um, did you personally experiment with it or? I haven't yet. I've had a lot of people and it's, what's funny, uh, again, being in the kind of the biohacking community is I get requests 
for it. And I have some notes and I'd actually kind of, to be blatant honest with you, I'd need to kind of review them. But like you, people ask me, I first got into peptides that way. I was on a clinic shift and someone asked me about MK677. And that was a uh, very early on in my egotistically, I'm a medical school student. I wouldn't, if it's worth anything, it's, you know, it's, it's good. You know, I would know about it. And then I just, you know, I went on PubMed. I'm like, oh, like there's actually some stuff on this. And it's the same thing with methylene blue. I kind of dove into it a little bit um, from a biohacking perspective, like regeneration, nootropic, energy, kind of for fatigue. I was still like in the depths of finding a mechanism of action. I love knowing about the mechanism of action because then you can piece it. Right. You know, like so many people are like, well, quercetin is good for this. Resveratrol is good for this. Vitamin C is good for this. I'm like, they all kind of do the same thing. So taking them all, depending on, I'm, I'm right. I'm, I'm generalizing. Yeah. But when you want to talk about like doing three things for fatigue and if they all like increase cyclic AMP, they're not going to like be synergistic. So we really need to understand mechanisms of action mm. to understand not only what we're going to do, but then when we're mixing stuff, how many biohackers, you know, are doing one thing. Right. And that's my thing with methylene blue. You got someone on an NAD IV that's yeah. doing testosterone replacement and CJC Ampamorella. And they're like, Hey, I want to try methylene blue. I'm like, I'll be honest with you. I don't know of any studies that mix those four things yeah. and most likely probably fine. But I, I, as a, as a, a clinician, I got to figure that out so I can, mm. you know, hopefully move forwardly. And, and I usually try stuff on myself, but, um, yeah, I mean, I, you can fill me at methylene blue. Um, mm. I looked into it for a while, but I, I did. I did experiment with it uh, quite a long time ago, actually, when I was really in the depths of like I was like studying and because um, I was doing a lot of I had a lot of exams at the time. Yeah, uh, and what I did notice uh, the difference. What I had to make sure of was not overdoing it because um, it, it's very hormetic in that sense, like a really small amount was enough to improve my uh, working memory and also my comprehension speed as well. Uh, but in terms of mechanism of action, like it's it's so unique compared to all the other antioxidants. It's sort of like a really selective, similar to um, hydrogen water in that way. It's sort of like Some a selective... Oxygen. You're carrying yeah. more... Hem Some with hemoglobin or... What, yeah. Sorry. Something like that, but also inhibits um, acetylcholinesterase pretty powerfully. Oh, yeah. So huperzine, as you yeah. say that, huperzine was the first one that I tried, acetylcholinesterase inhibitor. Mm. So again, again, like someone comes to me, oh, I'm on huperzine, I want to do methylene blue. That it, 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 that wouldn't make sense to stack those, right? Mm. Same mechanism of action. Maybe, I don't know. I'd have to probably look into it a little bit more. Mm. But. Yeah, methylene blue, it's it's pretty good. Of I don't know, I consider it like riskier on the riskier side uh just because of the, all the interactions it sort of messes with like hemoglobin um it's well funnily enough if you look if you if you look back at its history and its very first uses it was actually like the very first anti-malaria drug ever the very first synthetic drug ever used in medicine apparently oh. this is crazy yeah yeah. No, some, yeah i just remember it I, with that one, I kind of looked in a little bit and I started looking at, there was something, the methoglobe, some type of globe, globe and stuff and carrying oxygen. And I was like, mm. I'm a big, I'm a big fan of ozone though. Mm. Have you, you experimented with ozone therapy? Not familiar. No. Oh, <laughs> ozone. Super cool. Super controversial. Um, basically you can take your blood out and there's different gammas and I'm not an, I'm not an ozone specialist. I've had it done. I want to get trained. 
but it makes a it makes an, um, a world of difference. So you basically take your blood out, you can put it into a bag or a jar, and then you can oxygenate it with ozone. Um, what does that do? It actually, to my understanding, it super saturates the blood so much with oxygen that it doesn't actually need to be carried by hemoglobin. And wow. then also the high amounts of oxygen um, end up forming hydrogen peroxide through um, and 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 hydrous car- uh, carbon you know what I'm talking about the buffering mechanism. Yeah. And so the, right. You get, then you get hydrogen peroxide in your blood vessels or in your blood. And then it can, um, really good for like Lyme disease and other like, uh, chronic, uh, microbial infections. Mm, Super cool. cool. And it, dude, your, your endurance goes through the roof. Um, when I get one, like, um, I'm usually pretty talkative and energetic to begin with, but I'm on that stuff. It's like, it's hard to slow me down. Yeah. That's cool. Is it similar to, um, hyperbaric oxygen therapy? Um, a little, yeah. So like that, to my understanding, right, you're sitting in a, in a highly oxygenated area. So it's easier for the oxygen to, um, cross your alveolars and get into your bloodstream because of the high amounts of, of oxygen that's in the air. Hmm. And so this would be, I would say the next step is that you're just shooting it directly into the blood. The safest way is you pull your blood out, oxygenate it, and then put it back in. And, but you need to be doing like anticoagulants because it's kind of, it's kind yeah. of a crazy process. And um, a lot of the, this is like some German scientists, um, they can form different forms of gamma um, oxygen. I, and again, I don't know this that well. They have this big machine and it shoots gammas into the, o, into the, the form of ozone, the, the, the frequency by which it goes in. And then uh, you put it back in your blood. Um, prostate cancer and wow. colon cancer, they'll, they'll actually take ozone and they'll put it in rectally. Um, a lot of dentists now after they're doing root canals will give you, they can ozonate the area or you can actually ozonate, um, oils and then put it in the area. And it's very antimicrobial. It leaves like a, a gas smell, like a, like a fresh rain kind of smell, but it's a, it's cool therapy. I'm hoping to bring it on here pretty soon. Mm. Yeah. I don't know if we actually have that, uh, here in Melbourne. I think I've had a few, like a few friends sort of discuss like ozone therapy. They've heard podcasts about it, but I sort of want to segment into some of the other modalities that you like utilize. Um, one of them we were just discussing before, and that's IV therapy. So I want to learn more about like how you've utilized it and some of the benefits you've seen with, with patients. Yeah. I, so one of the main ways that IV therapy came up, two ways, one you call Myers cocktail, which is basically a multivitamin, multinutrient formula, and then also high doses of vitamin C, I would say are kind of the more popular ways, Linus Pauling, high amounts of vitamin C, anti-cancerous. And I don't even know if I said that. That's the same way that you you do the ozone through an IV. You pull your blood out, shoot it back in. So there's there's a wide variety of things that you can do with IV therapy. Like I said, the vitamin and mineral one with the glutathione push for hangovers, it's probably, you know, you go to Vegas, you're kind of hungover, not feeling that great. Well, what, what do we know about alcohol, right? It's, it's destroying your, your detox pathways. You, you blasted all your glutathione, getting rid of that, um, that alcohol. And, uh, you know, like, uh, what's it? Is it berry berries, the thiamine deficiency B1. And that happens from alcoholism, right? So what do you need the next day? B vitamins. A lot yeah. of people will probably have a wrecked gut. So one of the main reasons that I recommend vitamins and minerals, right? Number one, the food that we eat is very much monocultural cropping, right? So not going to have a whole lot of nutrients in it to begin with. Two, people are like, oh, I'll just take a vitamin. Well, unfortunately, the bioavailability of most vitamins is poor to terrible. 
And you don't even know if the vitamins you're getting, unless you've um, gotten a good source, you don't even know if it's sawdust or rice powder or actually B vitamins, right? And then I would say one of the third thing is most people already have poor absorption to begin with, whether it's leaky gut or Crohn's or you, you can go down the list of, of GI issues, H. pylori, lowest hydrochloric acid in the stomach. So vitamin, you know, IV therapy is a great way to bypass that, especially with the vitamins. You can just put it straight in the bloodstream. People have been doing it for years with little to no side effects. And um, right now, so with, I treat a, this new, I, I branched into neuropathy, right? Neuropathy is the death of blood neuropathy. There's something wrong with the nerves. You get peripheral neuropathy from type 2 diabetes, and then people's feet go numb. Well, why does that happen? Well, they don't get blood flow down there. They don't get nutrients down there. So we've been doing vitamin injections just straight down by the feet. So another way, uh, just kind of elaborating on IV therapy is like making sure we get the nutrients where it needs to be. Mm. Um, so for instance, a very easy thing, chronic fatigue, let's get vitamins and minerals in there. Like, let's just rule that out. And most people are going to feel better just from that. And you get a, you know, 250 to 500 mLs of, of liquid, which most people are dehydrated. So it's like very trendy, very cool. You've probably seen like the IV bars and all that, right? Yeah. Do you get, so, um, do, do some patients experience a bit of a, like an initial Herxheimer or like a, a detox response at all? Or you, Yeah, you hit it on, you hit it on the head a couple of different ways. Ozone will do that, right. right? Like you want to talk about having chronic Lyme and then you throw in some ozone, you're going to have a lot of die off. And mm. most people are probably familiar listening to you what a Hertz reaction is. It's when you basically kill these microbes and then their biparts need to get detoxified and they're going to, it's going to have a wide variety of antibody response. It's going to balk up your liver. And um, in actuality, I tell that to a lot of people who the first time they do their IVs and also have IVs and I do them and I actually feel terrible mm. because of that. You know, whether it's, if it's even like a chronic EBV or just whatever kind of, you could be fighting a cold. If you, if you've been vitamin depleted and then you get the vitamins that you need, your body's going to upregulate all those detox pathways. Yeah. Right. And then you throw on top of that, you can do something like glutathione, the body's main antioxidant, which is used in uh, detoxification in the liver. You can actually, again, give that straight into the IV. Mm. So, you know, you can supplement NAC, uh, zinc, magnesium, selenium, B6, I think are all cofactors for glutathione synthesis. Yeah. And you can just shoot it straight into the veins, which is really freaking cool. Mm. So, which which one would you recommend? Like, just in general, for my listeners, if they want to sort of explore or like they're brand new to IV therapy, if you were to select one that might be applicable to, let's say, I don't know, ninety percent of the population, yeah. which which one would you like? Most most players will call it that. Myers, I can't remember the gentleman's first name, was the guy that invented the multivitamin one. And that's usually what they, they'll call the Myers, which is a combination of a handful of ingredients. Now, most people have expanded on that. Uh, but you go to a good practitioner like me, we'll put uh, L-carnitine nice. in there, like 500 milligrams, helps with fatty acid oxidation, L-carnitine. You're very familiar with the enzyme that helps bring fatty acids in the mitochondria. So you'll get a good little nootropic effect from that. Hmm. Um, you can put in some NAC in there, which has nootropic effects, backbone of glutathione, uh, you can put in amino acids, just basic, uh, basic amino acid profile with all your um, essential amino acids. But a good vitamin and mineral, most people will notice uh, a good form of benefit. And then a lot of places will finish with like a glutathione push. Mm. And depending on the practitioner's 
philosophy. And so, I, I, you know, the glutathione that you put in is reduced. So it's in its active form. So there's, there's actually uh, a kind of conundrum. Some people say you do the glutathione first, you let the glutathione use its, its um, antioxidant up, and then you give cofactors to replenish mm-hmm. it. Some people say give the cofactors and then replenish all of your own body's glutathione and then the glutathione push at the end. So mm-hmm. it's a weird little biochemistry fun. I know you'd probably have fun thinking about that. Um, vitamin minerals are a good place to go. I do have people, they come and they want to do the high dose of vitamin C. The thing with that is you do need to get a G6PD done. Um, it's an enzyme that mm-hmm. kind of looks at, uh, it's something to do with your ana- ability to handle all that oxidative <clears throat> upregulation because the same thing happens with ozone. You want to watch your G6PD. If you have a deficiency in that, your body can't handle the flood of the the new antioxidants and the oxidant something in, in that realm. Want to fact check me on that one? Yeah, the um, um, glucose six phosphate deficiency is that quite common? No, no. it's like one, I think it's like under one percent of the population. Yeah, um, but you the problem that you can kill someone. Jeez. You know, like 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 fava beans. There's something with the the it's a G6PD inhibitor, I think. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. No, because it contains the um, oh, something in there. Yeah, a unique constituent. <laughs> Plug something <laughs> in there. Um, but then, yeah, they be, and then it becomes it actually becomes toxic because the way that the high dose vitamin C works is the same with ozone. So in low doses, vitamin C is an antioxidant. Mm. In high doses, it becomes a prooxidant. And so what that does is actually causes a cascade of pro-oxidative damage, and then your body upregulates all of the things that will help heal. So high-dose vitamin C has been utilized a lot in uh, chemotherapy. So I've actually mm-hmm. done a, a lot of that, um, and, it, and it does wonders. So like someone that's going through chemo, they'll do like two IVs a week. One will be like a high-dose vitamin C, and the other day we'll be giving them um, IV nutrients. Because think about people with chemo, they're flooding their body with toxic stuff and then they're already their stomach hurts they don't want to eat so you can just kind of shoot it right into the to the bloodstream mm. so with um with the neuropathy i want to sort of because i know there's um have you heard about like high dose vitamin b6 causing neuropathy yes yep yeah i don't know i've never i've not seen that pretty you know, mostly yeah. yeah i mean everything that i see is i would say quote unquote idiopathic but most of the time it's from type 2 diabetes Mm. You know, the blood vessels are scarring um, and you're not getting nutrients to the nerves. The nerves in your feet are the furthest away from your heart, right? So it's basically like a frailing out at the peripheral. That's why a lot of people get the numbness and tingling in the feet um, is due to, you know, and a lot of people too from diabetes, the the inflammation of the blood vessels and the scarring to my understanding too can actually press on the nerve. So a lot of them will get like the sciatic uh, inflammation from the blood vessels mm. in a neurovascular bundle can kind of attribute to it too as well. So would you would you stack any other modalities alongside the IV to help with that repair neuropathy? Like would you yep. stack any sp- specific peptides, things like that? Oh, yeah, definitely. You could use stuff. Cerebral lysin, brain-derived nootropic factor. Nice. Um, that's actually, yeah, it's isolated. It's like it is basically brain-derived nootropic factor. It's, you know, we can kind of talk about the legality things of that right now. It's hard to get. Um, I think that one is a long chain amino acids, which in the United States, they've changed to biologics, which now are illegal to compound. I don't think that I can get cerebral lysin anymore, but it's a drug in Europe and they use it. Pretty sure, right? In Russia, in Russia, they use it over the counter, I think. I yeah. Think it's a, yeah. It's one of those things. 
You'd still be um, able to, for those listening in, you'd, you'd be able to get your hands on it. I mean, I could. <laughs> I can't recommend it. Okay? I, I right? can tell you guys where to, I can tell you where to get it. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's funny. In my comments, I talk about peptides a lot. And um, I had this, I've had gentlemen be like, so my lab rat, after six weeks of using BPC 157s, experienced this. Now he's stacking MK677. <laughs> what is this? Blah, blah, blah. You know, I'm just kind of like, because, yeah, I have to be careful a little bit. And I also like, you know, I, I love talking about these things. And, and my job as a, as a doctor is to help people, you know, and also, le- unfortunately, legally, you got to kind of watch out stuff. Um, you know, but, but back to your question, what we're doing with neuropathy in my clinic now is we're actually using electrical cell signaling device in the feet that kind of, um, it has a wide variety of, of Hertz frequencies, right? And I think it's like 50 Hertz is the frequency of the mitochondria or in the cell, want it be the mitochondria to depolarize the sodium potassium pump to release the pain signal. And so you can blast that with like an electrical cell, like a TENS unit, and it can turn it off. Um, this device that I got now has a frequency, most TENS units will do like I think it's 100 to 2,000. The one I have is to 50,000. And it, and every treatment, it changes and it oscillates and it decreases the frequency and the amplitude. Um, so we stack that and it has a vasonomatic device. It's like a cupping. It's like the suction thing. And then we put electrolyte and minerals in there so it can, uh, it can um, send the signal into the cell better. And then we do the vitamin injections in the area as well. And we've been having a lot of really good success with it. For, mm-hmm. for neuropathy, that's pretty well unheard of. Neuropathy in the United States is you give Lyrica, Gabapentin, anything just to, you know, opiates, just numb it out. Opiates. Yep. Yeah. Wow. I mean, neuropathies, a lot of people have is se- severe pain. My father had it. Okay. And, you know, he'd be standing, he's like, he can't stand because his feet are so numb and tingling and burning. It's kind of like if you've ever, um, you know, you laid on your arm and you wake up and it's all like dead and tingling. Yeah. I and mean, those people are having that all the time in their feet. That would have to be very advanced stage. Like that's very far down the track though. Yeah. Like wouldn't be, yeah, yeah. you wouldn't, you wouldn't see that in a 25, 20 year old, no. 30 year old. No. Yeah. It's older people. Yeah. But the philosophy rings true when we're talking about all these modalities. And I think that from an IV standpoint, I do at least a nutrient IV once a month just to like backup plan, right? Make sure that, you know, I know I'm getting it in there. And, uh, you know, talking about prevention, a lot of these people that I'm seeing in, in this case now, yeah, they've had diabetes for so many years or, and a lot of them, some, some don't, you know, but it's just still the philosophy of them not taking care of their blood vessel system and getting mm. ac- adequate amounts of vitamins and minerals. Mm. Actually going back to some of the preventative aspects of like diabetes, I think we discussed metformin last time, but I'm yeah. curious, have you still, have you changed your stance on metformin since at all or? So I personally have never prescribed metformin. And I think that's for a wide variety of reasons. I don't have any really diabetic patients. My, my opinion, if you're pre-diabetic and you're seeing a traditional doctor and they want to recommend a medication, it's probably your best go-to, right? We talked about, I think the mechanism action is okay. I am still fearful from the idea that metformin blocking the uptake of glucose and you're having some form of dysbiosis in your stomach. It's right. right. That's what that that's that's probably the main thing that I'm like. I don't know about that. Some people may be fine. Other people won't be. I actually did my I did a stool test a long time ago, but I recently just did a, a GI map by Doctor Data, where I'm going to actually you know I can look at my microbiome and what you know I pooped in this thing and sent it off, and they can you can look at that. 
And so to me, the next step forward is like, do some of those bugs survive on sugar more than others, right? Like what is the, the, the consequence of that? Because again, there's no free lunch. So if we're blocking the uptake of sugar, what is that doing to, to our GI symptom? That's what I'm fearful of. And mm-hmm. so on my, on my end, we've talked about before, I'd rather start with something like berberine, see how that goes. And if at that point, you know, in the United States, they'd probably be working with their primary care doctor at that point to start. They would be doing more of the messing with the medications than I would. Yeah. I would do my best to get them off the medications. Mm. Right. And I know, I think from what I know, you're kind of looking at it more of the anti-aging thing, bro. I had, I've had a, um, acai bowl with probably a hundred, 200 grams of sugar in it every day for the past three months. Guess what my hemoglobin A1C was? I don't know, like less than four, somehow less than five or four nine. Four point nine. Yeah. I don't take metformin. I don't take berberine. I fat I do intermittent fasting. So what what was um, the brekkie though? Like one hundred and fifty grams of carbs with like what else? So I do I intermittent fast and then for lunch I'll do like some type of chicken or I'll do like lentil, like a chickpea pasta or something or cassava. <clears throat> and then here recently, yeah, right after my workout, I've been going and fueling up on like a large acai bowl with uh, gluten-free oats, blueberries, cinnamon, honey. Nice. And, and I literally was just trying to challenge myself because we talked about uh, fasting insulin too. My fasting insulin, the last time I did it was four, three something. Jeez, that's good, man. Three or four. I, I have it somewhere that's here. Good. That's where you well, want it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and my, my hemoglobin A1C was 4.9, but my, my total cholesterol was 140. My HDL is like 45, which actually... Yeah, too much low cholesterol is actually not that great for you. So I'm trying to get it up, to be honest. So and I, I've been trying to put on weight. So I was just like, you know, how does this, how does this sugar hypothesis stand up? Because you know, just like the cholesterol hypothesis, you know, when people are like don't eat eggs, don't high cholesterol, does all this negative stuff. <clears throat> um, I did that on myself where I had four eggs, like a cup of cheese, and four slices of bacon every morning for like a year, and my cholesterol hardly moved. Yeah. So I don't know if, you know, you could say genetic. I actually have a lot of metabolic syndrome in my family, but I exercise a lot and I do intermittent fasting now, which I think are the game changers. Mm. So, you know, the metformin thing has just never came on my radar. And maybe I'm projecting myself. I just, I've not need it. And my thing is with patients, you know, it, it would probably be a good stepping stone and a lot of times to lose weight. And like I said, my other concern is some of the carcinogenic fillers that they use. <laughs> And mm. I don't like big pharma, bro. Like if I can stay away from that stuff, I just, um, I, I, I do. Yeah. So. Well, the reason why I brought it up was because of the, um, like making the link between that and neuropathy. Cause we know that metformin can deplete B12. Oh. So I was thinking that's why I'm yeah. like, Oh, those are, you know, got to be careful. Oh. Mm. That's actually, yeah. Super, super. I've not, I've not. And that's, what's funny too, is I've been treating more and that's why they call it practicing medicine, but we're making more and more links on that. When you want to talk about, you know, all these, these patients coming in on different drugs that, de- that deplete different things, you know, they're on a PPI, like you're saying. So lower yeah. hydrochloric acid, lower B12, ex- you know, it's, but, but these people come in and they're on a, they're on a statin, they're on a couple of diabetic drugs, they're on a PPI for their heartburn, they're on all these things. And you got to, you got to really dive into those going back to learning about the mechanism of action and figuring out how these, these things happen. Mm-hmm. So Mm. Did you ever get your hands on one of those um, CGM devices? The mm. uh, Did you oh, get one? Man, there's so much fun. Honestly, like I ran so many experiments. What did you find out? I watched some of your stuff. I do remember you saying yours, but I think you're like me. You could probably like drink three sodas and like your glucose didn't move at all. 
Dude, I remember. I have no idea what happened, but uh, basically I had 100 grams of raw sugar in water. This is raw white sugar. And this was after maybe like a 4K, 5K walk. I had I had no carbohydrates that day at all. I just had like a high-protein, high-fat brekkie, um, high-protein, high-fat lunch. And then this was like 4.30 p.m., I was like, oh, might as well do like a glucose challenge. <laughs> and this is one of my um, close like vegan cyclist friends of mine because he just has yeah. a shit ton of like sugar water before he cycles. And dude, I think I thought my device was broken because like it literally didn't budge. It went to like maybe. I, I think yeah. I saw that on you. Yeah. And, and, and then this is where, man. I, I think for a wide variety of people, I'm a big keto. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a low carb guy. Like my philosophy is like, you can, you can do a lot of good sugars, pro-inflammatory. You want to talk about heart disease. My opinion is that the high amounts of sugar, they glycate. That's what is what's going to downstream cause the inflammation and the, <clears throat> the scarring of the blood vessels. Mm. And, you know, guys like you and I, who are fasting a lot, we're working out very actively. Um, we're just super insulin sensitive. You know, you have that carb, it gets sucked up there. I don't know if there's really a harm in it. I don't know. I mean, you can, you've probably listened to like Paul Saladino and Baker and their opinions on, on, on the, on that. And, um, well, you've seen what Paul's now doing. Yeah. Like he's reintroducing honey and stuff. I did see, I haven't paid a whole, I just heard a little bit about that, but I don't, his was kind of like nature. It's kind of like carnivore because it's honey and it's bees. It's like animal product. Well, if you think about it as well, like, um, uh, Derek, more plates, more dates. He sort of debunks like the, have you yeah. seen his channel, by the way? I've seen this. Yeah. Hey, Derek, <laughs> moreplacemoredays.com. But, you know, blah, blah, blah. is losing their hair. Bradley Martin got a PRP thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, like, I've seen some of this stuff. Yeah. He was talking about how, like, yeah, the carnivore diet ends up just raising SHBG too high. Um, and that's why now they're introducing the um, the sugars, the honey and stuff to bring that SHBG down to raise that free test. Um, yeah. I'll have to look into that. I've had some guy to be honest, some of the best... Um, natural testosterone I've seen has been on guys from a carnivore diet. Mm. And, uh, you know, I've had maybe like five guys that I've had consistent, you know, been on carnivore diet six plus months. And yeah, I mean, their free teas are like seven, eight, 900, like wow. to the point where I've, I've kind of thought about it. Um, I've not completely pulled the trigger on it right now because I'm trying to put on weight. <laughs> and for me, meat's just a little bit harder to digest. I, I do, I eat a, a pound of steak. I'm full for a day. Kind wow. of thing. I don't know about you. Everyone's kind of different. I can eat an acai bowl and it like, you know, that's the, that's why you eat carbs is it speeds up, um, your metal, it speeds up your, your, uh, gastric emptying speed, right? Like meat sits in your stomach. It has built, it has fat and fat is, is been known to slow, uh, cholecystokinase slows down your, di- your movement of your digestion. Hmm. So, I mean, I'm going the other way. I've been lean enough, long enough that I'm like, I want to put on some size again. And I just think it's good to carry around a little bit of, little bit of extra weight. And I want to have energy in the gym. Yeah. And on the low carb end, um, I've been low carb for at least five, probably eight, nine years. Well, when you, you know, say low carb, what do you mean? Like how low? Probably under 100. Okay. Yeah. Pretty consistent. Like I don't go out of my way. Like, dude, if you don't eat bread, it's you're pretty much, unless you're eating a ton of fruit, you know, like if a breakfast is like, I get, you know, it's almost so like, not a question for me that I don't eat bread. So like when I eat breakfast, it's usually chicken or beef, you know, it's like in that realm. And like, when I go out to eat, it's just kind of the same thing. Like I'll eat like mashed potatoes, sweet potatoes, 
carrots. Um, I don't eat a lot of fruit, blueberries, maybe. So hmm. if you don't know if you're not doing that. Are you sensitive to any like veggies at all? Like, are there any ones that you just can't have at all? I, I don't do that. Well, I'm working. That's why I did this Dr. Datus thing. I've just never been one to like eat vegetables. I'm like, man, I can't wait to eat that broccoli or spinach or it just, and it just bit. I just never has been. That's where I can agree with Paul. Like, if this were 10,000 years ago and we knew absolutely nothing about nutrition, I'm like, I'm not going out of my way to eat spinach. I'm eating spinach as a last resort. Yeah. And you know, you want to look at oxalates, you want to look at all the the compounds in there are designed for us not to eat them. It makes sense that there might be some hormetic effects on a smaller level. You know, caffeine was always my argument. Like that's a that's a that's a toxin for it's a pesticide. It kills bugs mm. on our end, upregulates our cyclic AMP and adenosine, and then we get more energy. Mm. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, let's sort of um, transition over into, I want to learn more about your clinical experience with um, TRT. Like I, I know you're, you're well well and truly versed in this realm and uh, you've had a lot of experience. So I sort of want to go into um, frequency of dosing. I want to learn more about what your stance is because I know there's guys that will pin every day, every other day or once a week or once a month. Like what's what happens there? Um, yeah. So we'll, <clears throat> just to kind of just to segue in right testosterone replacement therapy um you do a lot of like natural stuff too and and i'm i try and start that place depending on where guys levels are mm. um but you and i both know the levels have been plummeting for the last 30 40 years you know 1988 the average 65 year old male's testosterone was in the mid 600s now it's in the three to four hundreds like and that's old guys like my i just ran my testosterone my total was like five and the, and the high fives, which to be honest, I've run hundreds of levels on guys and I'm 31. That's above average. Most guys are somewhere between 300 to high 400s. Mm. And then, yeah, we need to take into consideration their sex hormone binding globulin because we needed to see how much of it's free. So nine to 10 milligrams per deciliter is kind of like, that's where I'll look at guys. I'm like, you should probably try TRT. I, I get guys higher than a, than a 15 on their free T. Their total, I get them over to the, the at least seven up in the 900s to, to, a, to a thousand. So, and then that all plays an important role of like, how often do you need to do your injection, right? And there's three ways a lot of people do TRT. Four, I guess, if you consider oral, which I've never done oral. Um, I did some of the pellets in the early days. So pellets where you take this tic-tac of testosterone, you slide it under the skin and it slowly breaks down. That's a, that's a minor office procedure. Um, so you'd put in like 600 to 1200, depending on the person and how big they are. And then you allow the pellet to slowly break down. Now, one of the big caveats with that is that the release is going to be more in the beginning. When you think about surface area, like a melting piece of ice, the first layer is going to come off and it's going to rush right? And so what happens when testosterone gets too high, the body will find balance. It will increase your sex hormone binding globulin. It will aromatase testosterone. The aromatization turns into estrogen. And the body likes a balance of those, right? And you've probably listened to enough of Jay's stuff that we, I think, have overly demonized high estrogen. I've allowed guys' estrogen to climb, I would say, double of what some of my colleagues think. And as long as they're not having side effects and they feel good, I keep them there. Mm. I don't know if you've kind of followed that a little bit. Oh yeah. Well, um, I was just thinking back to Dr. Berg's recent video. He was talking about one of the biggest side effects of testosterone replacement therapy is excess estrogen. I'm like, mate, 
it's not a side effect. <laughs> yeah. It's, a be- it's actually, a, yeah, you're, you're 100% correct. It's actually a benefit. the body trying to find balance. And the, the example I usually use is uh, THC, CBD. Like, mm-hmm. you know, weed used to, marijuana used to have a, a very um, imbalanced ratio to my understanding. You'd have like about 7 to 8% THC, 2 to 3% CBD. You've talked at great length about the benefits of CBD. The weed here in the United States is now like, I've seen it upwards to 20% THC and no CBD. THC just gets you freaking high and puts you out of it. CBD has the antioxidants and the anti-inflammatory effects. And the antipsychotic properties as well. Yeah. Yeah. All, all kinds. And it's like, why are we getting... And it's kind of the same thing with the TRT. We thought, oh, testosterone is what does all the benefits. In all actuality, um, estrogen is good for the bones. It's good mm. for your heart. It's good for your uh, emotional well-being. You know, you see guys on high amounts of aromatase, they're just like, they're just like a, a stone soldier. Their testosterone's at 1200 and they have no estrogen and they have no emotions, you know? Mm. So you need, you need it, right? Like you need to feel connected to people. Like it is more of a womanly dominated hormone. It's a more feminine dominated hormone, but it still is super important for guys. And, um, you know, Jay and, and, and Rob Common Eric really at, discuss it at length about, I have seen guys who come in from other places and they're taking high amounts of anastrozole, which is an aromatase inhibitor, and their estrogen isn't even readable. And so, you know, you do a bone scan on that guy in his main, his, um, in his mid forties, he's probably gonna have bones like 65, which is terrible because you're thinking about who's going to do TRT. Someone probably going to the gym, it's going to throw 400 pounds on their back to squat, you know? So bringing this back to the question about dosage, um, that's why you really want to work with a practitioner or at least yourself. I'm a big proponent of people really, if you're going to do anything in life, you really need to become an expert of it yourself. Like what's, why would you do something if you don't understand the ins and outs of it? You know, something like as easy as like driving a car and you don't know how to charge the change the tire, which most people don't know anymore. It's like, you need to at least know the basics of kind of how this stuff works. Mm. So you can tell if your practitioner is full of uh, BS. (laughs) So that, you know, that's the pill, the creams, to my understanding, the half-life, we don't even... I've not seen great studies showing the half-life. And I think that has to do with the wide variety of differences in ethnicities. Um, when you want to talk about skin color and skin absorption and um, hair. So if you're putting on cream, you know, different, different races will absorb it at a different speed. So it's really hard to pinpoint how much you're absorbing and at what time due to... And even people of the same race will have different heart, uh, thicknesses of skin and absorption. Um, I have used some of the transcrotal creams. Um, I do that daily on my guys. And it seems like there's some benefit from that. Mm. The idea is the testosterone, you know, being synthesized mostly in the testicles, you're going to get higher. There's higher, um, five, uh, five alpha reductase in there. So you're going to higher version of DHT, Mm. which will help with libido. And I think that's, I think I've seen that in the guys that use the Mm. transcrotal cream. Um, but like you kind of initially stated, I usually end up going with, with the injections. For the, for the plain fact that it's in there, it gets in. Testosterone sipinate has about a seven to 10 day half-life, so roughly eight. So if we give you 100 milligrams today, a week later, you're probably gonna have about 50 of it left. So I can kind of have an idea of, okay, I have a good starting point. With the, with the other forms, it's just, it's a little bit harder from a practitioner standpoint to have objective data to be like, okay, it's time for you to re-up. Like the pellet thing is really hard because people go up, and then they come down. And like I said, at yeah. that point, you can go too high. And again, the main thing you want to watch out for 
And, and I, I've had this kind of conundrum in my clinical practice of like, what is too high? I have personally not seen anyone naturally over a thousand. Um, when I've talked with Jim Meeham, he has, he's been in the game a lot longer than me, but he talked about like, he would work with some professional athletes that, that he could tell they weren't juicing. They'd come in at 1500, 1800, 12, you know, 2000. So these are professional athletes who are naturally in that realm. So the only thing is that I see is when testosterone goes that high, number one, you do get an overconversion to estrogen and you can get gynecomastia. They'll start holding water. They will be overly emotional. Um, so that's kind of the estrogen thing you're watching out for. Um, and then your, your uh, testosterone increases erythropoietin. It's what EPO, it's what Lance Armstrong doped to increase his hemoglobin to carry more oxygen. This area is, is super debatable. Um, the, the increase in, in red blood cells and hemoglobin hematocrit thicken the blood. So a lot of people will have a little bit of difficulty. The blood moves a little bit slower. Um, then the heart has to pump harder. When you want to look at these, these, these cyclists, they often have hypertrophy of the inner chambers of their heart and then it increases their, um, how much blood they can pump out per pump. Um, so that's another thing you, you kind of got to watch. And these are all things that I'm taking into consideration when I'm talking about dosage, like the size of the guy, I'm going to watch out for estrogen, hemoglobin, hematocrit, <clears throat> you know, prostate cancer. It's a very debatable one. Um, I have put guys on TRT after they've had prostate cancer with their clearance and with urologist clearance. Uh, I don't think it's a life worth living if your testosterone is super low. It's usually how these guys come to me. They've yeah. been on anti-androgen therapy. They actually take guys' testosterone away from them when they have prostate cancer. And it's like, who would want to live that life? Like low T, depressed, no libido, no energy, can't do anything. Come on, like way, way out the risks and benefit there. So... But with, with TRT, where I usually end up, the standard of care in the United States, uh, if I, and I, I have never done it, so I may, I, mess, I may mess it up. I believe it's, it's one ml. So most testosterone comes into 200 milligrams per ml. So they do one ml, I believe, for a month straight. To, and it stacks, right? So it has one week half-life. So if you do 100, or you do 200 now, next week you have 100 left. But then you just put another 200 on there, right? Mm -hmm. So now you're at 300. So then it, it continues to stack up on itself. And the body eliminates by half-life, not by like it gets rid of 100 a week. It goes by, it's, it's regulated by enzymes. It can tell how much it is and gets rid of half of it. Mm. So what a lot of the primary care doctors here and the, the, the standard of care, I, I believe, I think, it's, I think it's 200 milligrams for four straight weeks. And then they go to every other week. And every guy that I've ever seen do that, and obviously I only see the people that are having problems because they're coming to me, they go through woo, 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 woo. When they, when they go through that down slump, what, what do you mean by that? They feel they actually crash or what? Yeah, definitely. So they'll feel great when they get there. So, uh, and, and actually sometimes the testosterone goes too high. Yeah. So they'll feel a little agitated, maybe actually get a little nipple soreness. Some of the things we've talked about. The hemoglobin, red blood cell stuff, um, that's really only going to happen if your testosterone is consistently high for a long period of time. Yeah. You know, and these are things too, if you're out there, if you're taking trend, if you're taking any other type of steroid and you're listening to this, that's why you really need to be working with a professional. If you want to guide yourself, that's cool, but you really should be doing blood work to make sure you're not messing these things up. So what, what I ended up doing now is I actually do an injection twice a week. Um, again, depending on who you talk to, I know Jay is a proponent of doing it every day, maybe every other day. Um, most guys, I end up doing 70 milligram point, point three five twice a week. 
And that's to me that, again, after so long, you'll build it up and you'll slowly drop a percentage and then you put another 70 back in the, back in the tank. If that makes sense. Mm-hmm. In that range, so you, you go from like most of my guys, I would say their levels, they hover between low, high 700s to low like 1,000. And so they just do this yeah. all the time. Yep. And so they're not getting up to 1500 and getting all those side effects and they're not crashing and getting those side effects. Mm. Um, if guys are, I've had some guys that are ambitious and we'll move them to every other day. Um, some are intense biohackers and have no problem injecting that many times. But you know, at that point it just becomes more of a lifestyle stuff. Do you, do you really want to stick yourself every day? You got to get the bottle out, draw it up. I think twice a week is pretty understandable, you know, like a Monday or, or Tuesday or Monday, Friday, or I like to do it like beginning of the week and then right before the weekend. So, um, at that point, it, it, it's, it's a major conversation between me and the patient. Okay. These are your options. I, I explain all of this. My visits are usually like at least an hour, just like letting you know, these are the things you got to watch out for. Yeah. This is the way I think we should do things. Can you do that? Some people are like, you know, for instance, with the pellets, um, I'm in the military uh, we switch all the time. The pellets would actually be more convenient. You just put in the pellets and then I'm good for two to three months. Okay, that makes sense. Or even for elderly people, like I don't have very good vision. I don't have anyone at home that can do the injection for me. Most of my guys, I tell them how to do it and they take it home. But you know, again, maybe they need to do the pellets or maybe they, the cream would be easier for them or they faint every time they get an injection. Mm. You know, This is individualized medicine 101 where every individual is going to be a little bit different. And then the same thing where some guys can, in my opinion, they can do the injection once a week and, and feel fine and not have any negative side effects. And if that fits their lifestyle better and we can keep them, um, you know, leveled out, then, you know, we do that. Mm. So what about um, if they want to stack anything else? Or like, do you ever recommend them stacking it with any other sort of modality or any other supplements and things like that at all? Yeah. Um, so my, my philosophy, I would say, is, is changed a little bit with supplements and, and all ther- therapies in general, I'll say. So, um, well, before I went to medical school, I was a bodybuilder, personal trainer, biohacker. I was into all this stuff. And, you know, after I got out of school and, and I, was, I was practicing on people and they come in and they dump 30 supplements on my table, you know, and I go, all right, Bob which one of these do you think is making a difference? And he's like, honestly, you know, honestly, this one and this one, maybe, you know, and, and he's like, maybe the fish oil. I'm like, all right, get rid of the rest of this stuff. And let's start here. Because one of the problems is that we get so deep into the biohacking game that we have so many moving parts. So you're right. I have guys that come in like, hey, I want to do IV therapy. I want to do NAD patches. I want to do CJC, Ampamorelin, BPC-157 and TRT. And, um, you know, my, my job as a doctor, doceri, doctor's teacher, I kind of like say, Hey, you know, we can, there are plenty of benefits to a lot of those things. And I believe in a lot of them, but I'm letting you know, if this time next week you're having erection problems, I don't know what's, you know, whatever, you know, are you feel really, let's, let's, let's caution on the side of you feeling great. Do you want to have to take five things to feel great? And, you know, you're on this stuff for five years and then you throw it all out and then you realize the NAD was what was all you really needed. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. Okay. So it's kind of shifting through that. I usually, when most guys come to me, I, the biggest bang for the buck has always been TRT mm-hmm. in my standpoint. Like, let's get your hormones up. Most guys feel great on that. And then from there, I'll usually move to one or two of the different peptides. 
IV therapy, I do feel a little more comfortable stacking that because that's usually like you'll feel it for a couple of days and it's kind of in and out. And I just really believe in those um, those benefits. Uh, but usually mm-hmm. TRT, I'd be comfortable stacking IVs in a hand, uh, one or two supplements, you know, like a multivitamin, a fish oil, or or something like that. Yeah. Have you worked with guys that actually want to come off TRT and yeah, how do you go about that? Like, do you use any other like HCG and anxiety and stuff like that? Yeah. So, um, with testosterone, right, you start taking, it's replacement. So your body's, your body makes testosterone. We start giving it testosterone. It's going to stop making its own. HCG, human chorionic gonadotropin, which is the hormone we test for in women when they're pregnant, is actually, it's an, an LH analog. So it hits the same receptor in your testes to produce testosterone. Um, I think Clomid's a little bit of a better way to go. Clomid blocks the estrogen reception on the brain, telling the brain that it doesn't have estrogen. Um, downstream, it so it releases something called gonadotropin-releasing hormone, which also releases both LH and FSH, the precursors to testosterone and estrogen. So from a a standpoint of re- is kicking the uh, the HPA axis, I think Clomid makes a lot more sense. One of the the things that I think a lot of people go awry with is as long as you're having like the testosterone siphonate in your body, which is going to be several weeks, the half-life, like I said, is seven days. So if you have a thousand built up, you know, a week later, you still have 500. A week later, you still have 250. A week later, you still have 125. Mm. So it's going to take testosterone a good four weeks, usually eight to 12 to kind of clear your system. It would take probably... Yeah, 12 plus weeks before your own body will kickstart. But usually I give it a handful. Usually I'll start guys on it as soon as they want to, as soon as guys want to get off TRT, I'll put them on Clomid ACG. Again, there'll be some nuances on what the person ACG is an injection. I think Clomid's more of the way to go. Um, so again, that'll be kind of a conversation I have with the, the patient. There might be some nuances in the cases. I, I haven't seen a guy yet that went on, and this isn't, endorsing to do TRT. But that was something I was always warned about. Oh, if you do TRT, you're going to blow out your HPA and you won't ever create testosterone again. I've not seen that. I've seen guys be on TRT for 25, 30 years and stop steroid, chronic steroid usage. And uh, their FSH and LH come back online. And their TR, their testosterone isn't great, but it's still like, you know, pretty well average to the rest of society, probably where it would be if they'd have never done TRT. Mm. Now, I think, I think more of the major problem is, and I've heard a lot of retired bodybuilders talk about this, is that when you're on steroids and tra- like all these other anabolic um, steroids, you are messing with, I think, more of the neurochemistry. I've done, I did TRT for three months just because I wanted to try it on myself. And it was great. I personally still want to have kids. Um, I'm working on building things naturally. Like I said, my testosterone was right at about 600. So I'm still getting gains. I'm still doing okay. <clears throat> I want to try and really master this before. I think 35, 40 after I have kids, I'm really going to you know, get into the TRT well a little bit more. But um, <clears throat> one of the things I noticed more was cognitively on TRT. I was just like, my, my, it was the, the drive. The when I was 19, where I like saw someone, I was like, let's go. Like that was like very adamant on, on TRT. Mm. And I think that especially the anabolic steroids have the ability to alter that your brain chemistry baseline. You know, it's like having caffeine and not having caffeine. And okay. all of a sudden you're like, you're used to it. And then you get it rid of it, you're addicted. Like a lot of people don't think about that from an anabolic standpoint. You're used to that, the high of having the motivation. Mm. 
Mm. So it's something to really consider if you're using those things. That's something I've heard from a lot of retired bodybuilders that they're just like missing the, you know, they, they, their baseline is now depression because their high was so high. Yeah. Yeah. I've heard the same as well. And I actually, after hearing that, I wanted to dive deep into the research on like how trend and and these other heavy hitting steroids, how they affect the brain. And man, there's, there's a lot of research. There's actually a lot of research on how they affect like GABA, dopamine, serotonin, like all these neurotransmitters. Um, but definitely, yeah. Well, we know testosterone plays a huge role in dopamine and serotonin release naturally. Higher yeah. amount, like it, it, to be honest, uh, I saw, I read an article where they were actually considering, and they won't, that uh, first line therapy for depression to be testosterone. Uh, that's not going to happen. No, but it makes sense. I'm t- like uh, that one of the one of the major things that I've noticed from guys is an increase in their mood and overall yeah. well being. Yeah, I agree. I mean, testosterone. You know, Jordan. Do you ever listen to Jordan Peterson? Yeah. So, you know, he talks about the lobsters and the dopamine kick and like your hypothalamus is constantly evaluating your life and whether or not you want to admit it, if you get a bad test score, your testosterone will drop, your dopamine and serotonin drop because your body says, I'm in a bad place. Cortisol gets released. Cortisol directly shuts off testosterone production. That's why if you have a lot of sugar, insulin spike, cortisol release, testosterone plummet. But your body, your nervous system is wired to see you succeed. And when you're not, it's, it's, it's going to shrivel up and it's going to unfortunately make you depressed. You get dumped, you get turned, you ask, you go up for a girl and ask for a number and she says no, and you're rejected, your testosterone will drop. She says, yes, it will go up. And that's a, that's a guiding mechanism for you to live your life in a certain way. Cause mm-hmm. you want to get dopamine kicks when you do good things and you want to get kicked in the nuts when you do bad things. So you know not to do them again. And yeah, that's why like why cocaine is so addictive is right because you're hitting dopamine all day. You're artificially just hitting that reward center. Same thing with gambling and now social media. Mm. So testosterone plays a definite role in that. So mm. yeah, I can speak um yeah, very heavily on the the, the the motivation side of things. Like uh man, even when guys like ice their balls, like you know how I, I was a huge proponent of that sort of practice. Um, yeah, a lot of guys so you just, used to be, you still, you're still about it. No. Or is there something still, that popped up? I'm yeah. still using, I'm still doing it. I just posted a video on YouTube talking about the science, the research and stuff. But, um, yeah, I mean, even the guys that just start doing it, they literally just report like more energy, more, more drive, things like that. So just, it just makes sense. Like there's just so many effects in the brain. It's just, it's so overlooked. Sure. When it all goes together, it's so funny that we we unfortunately live in a society where you have an endocrinologist and then you have a gastroenterologist, and it's like the gut brain axis, you know, and then that all affects your muscles. Well, how 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 do your muscles fire through neurotransmitters? Yeah, right. How does your heart beat? You know, acetylcholine. Like it all goes together. Mm. Have you um, have you done much more research and experiments with um, some of the novel nootropics at all? Like, have you delved into any of them at all? Or are you talking about like the the racetams or yeah, or, or like I know you, you mentioned the nine MBC at the start. I have oh yeah, since we talked last, I haven't. Yeah. I, have, I literally in the last three to four months, I've gotten off of pretty much all supplements mm. because again, I was kind of like, well, what the heck's doing what here? I got and I got kidney stones. Oh what? <laughs> yeah, not fun, not fun. Man, what from? Uh, well, you know, vitamin D raises serum calcium levels. Right. Magnesium will raise serum calcium. And that's why I'm like, okay, I was just in it. Well, when, when COVID hit, I dude, vitamin C three, four times a day, 
zinc and selenium morning, day. And, you know, like I started taking all the supplements, high amounts of vitamin D. And so again, I had to be like, okay, I had kidney stones. Where did they come from? I don't know because I'm taking 30 different things. You know, whether if I had just did one thing, I'm like, okay, this may have been contributing to the kidney stone. Did you actually get, did you get COVID? Yeah, I actually did get COVID too. Uh, Okay. It wasn't a big deal. I was like, I had a fever. I had like a 99 fever one day, uh, kind of some aches and pains. And then um, it went away. I, and I, well, this is the thing is I was going to the doctor to get my kidney stone removed and I had to get tested and I tested positive. So, and I, and I, and I thought possibly I had, I didn't, I was fatigued for like an afternoon, which I just thought I worked hard. And then that night I was super sore. I was like, dang, I like, I worked out super hard today. And I didn't remember working out that hard. And I was super sore the next day. And then the following night I had terrible kidney stone pain. Jeez. And I didn't sleep well. And then I woke up with a fever. So I'm like, a fever of 99. So I'm like, do I have COVID? Is this kidney stone pain? Is it from more, you know, I'm like, but I had to, I went in to get the procedure done and I had to get tested two days before and I tested positive. Mm. So, and then, and then I waited a month just to be hundred percent sure. They quarantined me for 10 days. And then, um, a month later, I retested and I had a lithotripsy where they go in and they blast the stone. And then it blocked my ureter and I was back in the ER two days later because I was vomiting because of the pain. It was crazy, man. That's crazy, man. It was Jeez. really crazy. The pain. Like, so I've passed a couple before and people talk about the pain of that. And to be blatantly honest with you, I'm like, I've sprained my ankle and I've had kind of worse immediate pain. It's more of like a visceral pain. And... um but when I, so they blasted the stone up, right? They take this high powered shockwave and then it just like sand and then it came down in my ureter and then got clogged. Like I vomited like three times over the night. My girlfriend at the time's like, I didn't even want to. She's like, we're going to the, we're taking you to the ER. And then they just, they just gave me a bunch of fluid, gave me some anti-nausea and then somehow it like broke loose and I peed out. Dude, I was, I peed out like, I had like a, it was like a one cent, it was over one centimeter stone. Oh, so I, um, but when they blasted it, I, I peed out like uh, just a bunch of little ones, but not, not a fun experience. So you can tell like after that, I'm like, dude, I'm getting rid of the supplements until I know what's doing what. And so here recently, I've been just, um, I've been doing some choline, the, the CDP in the morning. I think that's one that, you know, a lot of research for anti-inflammatory. Um, I feel it like I take it and my brain is, is, is on. So it's something I like and I am still doing some pre-workout. So oh, yeah. it's got like, you know, caffeine, citrulline. Um, I'm doing C4 right now. So yeah, nice. which could be contributing to kidney stones. But I'm not <laughs> giving that up yet. Yeah. Yeah. Geez. I mean, I've, um, I literally just spent the last month or so building out like an entire course, like a nootropics masterclass course covering like nice. 180 different like compounds and things like that. Just full geeking it. <laughs> That's fun though. You know, you get in and you get to see everything. And I, I, I'm, I'm, once things will slow down with my business, I'm, I want to get more, I love researching like you, like, I like, okay, new, new, new con. Like I was, I, I hit my stride with, um, when the peptides came out. So I was yeah. very fortunate that I had a lot of free time at that time when my career, since recently I opened up this new business, I've been spending most of my time doing that. But I, yeah, I just, you know, BPC one five seven, you did a great video on it. I just, went on PubMed and said like, okay, is this stuff for real? You know, you can kind of listen to other people and there's a lot of bro science on YouTube. But yeah, I just went in and I found like a couple handful of the papers and I kind of educated myself on it. Talked to um, Ryan Smith at TaylorMade. 
great resource. And then, um, yeah, start playing with it with some really close patients first, some friends, myself, and then I've slowly started, you know, using peptides with with other people. Mm. So, mm. do you wish you had more time for that sort of stuff, like just the, the fun research side of things? Or oh yeah, that's what I'm gonna, to be honest. I like clinical practice is cool. Um, <clears throat> unfortunately, I get I get I get bored with monotonous stuff like TRT. I've helped. I've done. I bet close to a thousand. Uh, wow. I don't know if I'm that high. You know, I graduated in 2017, so I've only been out a couple of years. But let's just say if I put like a couple hundred guys on a year, which I don't know, that might even be high. Um, but what I'm getting at is I've seen, and not only that, but we're following up and doing lab work. And it's like, I've just seen it a lot. I kind of get it. I know when a guy comes in and he says X, you do this, this, then do this. And so I'm, I'm one to when I really get something you know, quote unquote mastered. I'm like, it's time for me to move on and learn. I want to learn. How, okay. Oh, I learned TRT. Then I jumped on to the growth hormone analogs. Okay. How do I stack these with this? Are they safe? Um, what, you know, testimorelin versus MK versus CJC. What's the difference? Which one do I want to use? Experiment on myself. Talk to guys like you, my other friends out there that are, they're playing with these things. Um, that's the stuff I really like. Yeah. I like to be on the cutting edge and trying new things and, and get <clears throat> super excited about stuff. Yeah. So not as much as an implementer, to be honest. I'm more of a, uh, I like researching and, and finding the new things. Mm. Yeah. I spend quite a lot of time on some of these uh, underground forums where just like some of the smartest people are actually the, the, the least well known. Uh, yeah. The least well known. Like they're just so like, oh, yeah. Even behind these forums are just absolutely, you know, you see some geniuses in there. I I like to think I'm pretty sharp, but I still learn plenty of things going on Reddit and the deep web where it'll just be some random guy who comments and stuff like, Oh, I never thought of that. Yeah. You know, and I think that's I think that's cool that we're um the the logical fallacy of appealing to authority. We're really starting to see that play out where it doesn't matter about your degree, it doesn't matter your background. You know, maybe sometimes I, I do on my end, I'm I'm happy that I got the, you know, I can speak from a place of authority when we want to talk about like clinical evidence and TRT. I'm like, dude, I've done it hundreds of times. I've seen people's labs move up and down. You're not going to convince me that the pellets are better than, um, than injection on like a 20 year old guy who can inject himself. I just, you're not going to convince me of that. I've seen mm. them both play out. Mm. Um, so, you know, I can at least speak from a place of ex- experience. And then also there's so many, so many variables that, at the end of the day, you're going to have to go out on a limb of faith eventually to implement anything. So, mm. yeah, I want to um, just I want to ask you about I guess the biggest success you've had with a with a patient. I want to learn more about like what's one patient that you've like it's been life changing for them. I want to hear about their story because I want to just share that with my listeners. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> um. So there was a guy. Uh, say his name's uh, I'll change his name say his name's Mike he actually came to me for ED he's 48 years old I have to go back and look at chart say like 5'10 240 pounds you know not like oh man that actually might be obese by the numbers but you look at him you weren't like he wasn't like really overweight or anything and, and didn't look like I guess they for lack of better terms, a mess, but he came to me for ED and, uh, kind of as I, you know, just to kind of paint a picture about him. So was, um, you know, had ED. So his relationship with his partner was, was kind of online. Uh, he was on a blood pressure medication 
he was doing three monster energy drinks a day. Just like he was just using it all the time because he had no energy, super fatigued, didn't like his job, completely depressed. And, um, couldn't do probably 10 pushups to save his life kind of thing. And so I sat down, we did the conversation. I said, Hey, let's measure your tea. His tea was like 240 or something, you know, for late forties, which isn't great. And, you know, we did some diet and lifestyle counseling stuff too. So I don't like to just like say TRT is what did it right. I'm not one to like, you can't, you can't just take a pill and it works. And if there is one, you know, caffeine is definitely up there as far as like, you take caffeine, you're gonna have energy. Unless you, I mean, uh, depending on your SNPs and genetically, it's very hard to, to sip 300 milligrams of caffeine and sit still for most people. And it's kind of the same thing with TRT. A lot of times your testosterone comes back online. We're talking about motivation. You're like, oh, I want to go work out. I want to go do this. Like, okay. So in three months, he lost like 30 pounds, could do 40 push-ups. He got off his blood pressure medication, which again is the opposite of what they tell you. Oh, TRT will raise your blood pressure. I think it was because he changed his diet and lifestyle and TRT was catalyst for them. Got his erections back. So his relationship was, was doing great. And uh, like I said, he could do 40, he could came in and did 40 pushups. Where I like, you know, before he couldn't even do 10. And it was, just, yeah, kind of the whole like, you know, hey, doc, you just, and I, I'm like, I didn't, you did the lifestyle stuff, the TRT helped with that. But depression was gone, was doing better at work, was succeeding. Um, and unfortunately, on that visit, that was the third month, he's like, hey, I went to my primary care doctor and they said that this TRT is bad for my heart. And I was like, Mike, I almost said his real name. ED is a really good indicator of exactly how good your blood vessel health is. You're having erections again and you're able to perform in the bedroom. Oh, he, he got off his monster energy drinks too. You're not drinking three monster energy drinks a day. You're now doing 40 pushups. Your erections are back. You're off your, he had actually gotten taken off on one of his blood pressure medications. Which sounds worse for your heart? Do you know what I'm saying? And I'm like, I, that, that one was, a, it was funny because it was a rewarding yet but stressful one. He decided to stay on TRT, but it just kind of shows you where the world is with those things. And, uh, you know, it's just, I'm like, bro, the proof's in the pudding, man. Yeah. Proof's in the pudding. Like, look at you. And he, you know, he came in, he's like, doc, look at, you know, he was all excited and stuff. He's like, but my doctor said it's going to be bad on my heart. Can I keep, can I keep doing this? And I, and I, again, I do my best. Let's look at the research. Let's lay it out. Hemoglobin, you know, or your RBCs, H and H high. You know, your blood sugar, we should have ran blood sugar. We hadn't yet. Blood sugar was probably down. So inflammation was probably down. All those things are, in my opinion, really good for the heart. <laughs> mm. So. Life changing. Yeah, good. yeah but, but him, yeah. And I've had plenty, plenty of guys where it's just, one guy had chronic back pain for 25 years. But again, he came in for uh, just lethargy and fatigue and unmotivated. And it's funny too, just how you get these other like, side effects, you know, where I, I, we talked about it a little bit and I'm like, let's start with TRT and comes back three months later. He's like, yeah, my energy's a little bit better, but, um, I'm sleeping. Well, his main thing is his sleep got better. So his energy was better. It's like, I'm sleeping through the night cause I don't have back pain. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, I had back pain for like 25 years and it was gone. I had another guy get rid of shoulder pain. Um, wow. because pain too is a neurotransmitter thing. Right. And so like, if you can fix, you know, just things like stature, if you're TRT, if you're on TRT, you're going to lift more, you're going to like stand in a, in a, in a, an upright position, which is better on your joints. And, um, so it's cool the wide variety of ways that 
that it can happen. Mm. From TRT, that's pretty obvious. I had a really good BPC-157. Um, I actually have it on my my phone. I have a handful of those, but I, I keep, I got an email. I just love, I love hearing these. I love hearing these like transformational journeys, like just hearing like how some of these modalities have really just changed people's lives. Like that's, that's why I'm, that's like, I think that's the reason why we do what we're doing. Like that's. Yeah. People, and people lose sight of that, right? That's the hard part. You get in the grind, and then you get chase, chase the money. I don't have time for this or that. And that's why I'm like you. I, I really like researching and I want to help other doctors. I'm At this point, I brought on a medical doctor, nurse practitioner. I want to bring on other NDs and give them the resources. I want to be in the trenches figuring out the therapies, going to conferences, learning about them, and then saying, hey, hey, I just learned about this new organic acids test. We're going to start testing for you know mold and uh, clostridia. Let's start, you know, this is something we can in- implement. So yeah. Yeah, no, I love it. Love it all. And always learning as well. I think that's just how we are. Like we're just always willing to explore, dive into new things. I, I don't know about you, but I like to be the first to present something. Like, <laughs> I love to be just that because I mean, I've set up my PubMed notifications. I check it every morning. <laughs> <laughs> I got to talk to you more often than, than I can at least be second. Uh well, I think that's pretty much um, everything we had uh, listed out. Did, we, did you want to sort of explore a little bit on the thymos and better four, just quickly? Yeah, we, we yeah we didn't talk too much about peptides or NAD. Um, so to, to kind of transition into peptides, one other successful story I'd love to share with BPC one five seven is that I had a woman, and I won't I won't say everything about her case, but I can tell you what she wrote me. She just said, "Hey." And it was weird because we had the consultation that I didn't hear from her for a couple of months. And she said that, hey, I held taking off the capsules, um, but I finally felt so bad I decided to take them. I obtained immediate relief from brain, fro- brain fog and depression as well as constipation. The, tro- uh, the trochanter bursitis took longer to resolve. And I just noticed in the past few days that I have no hip pain getting in and out of the car. Although it's still painful at night laying down, um, for some reason, she's just like, she's like, I read, I should take a break from it, but thank you for introducing me to this. And that's BBC one five seven. That's literally like, she had all these things going on. I'm like, Hey, let's just try this one and see what happens. And it's like, it's, it's amazing. Like why wouldn't, and it's terrible now that the FDA is putting in regulations on these things. Cause it's like, what do you want to do? Give them gabapentin. You want to give them some other type of like toxic drug when we have like this compound right here that we know that works that has no negative side like i don't i haven't heard of any negative side effects of bpc 157 i have heard that it may desensitize you to like caffeine um but besides that i've not i've not not heard anything negative to it i've heard some guys say that it sort of blunts the um really reinforcing or anxiety inducing effects of amphetamines and, and stimulants. Um, but I think that's because it's actually modulating the GABA. So they're getting better GABAergic tone, which is then blocking the overstimulation that you might get from hardcore stims. But yeah. Yeah. So uh, I love. So you asked uh, about thymus and beta-4, TB500. Mm. Um, and the way I like to usually describe that one is, so your Thymusin, you know, you have your thymus and it produces immune cells. And 
when we think about the immune system, we almost think always like attacking stuff, but it does other stuff. It cleans up gunk, it, it, it remodulates areas. So usually I talk about it this way. When you want to talk about musculoskeletal issues, I think that from the peptide world, the BPC-157 is over here. Like you think you got a, you got a bursitis, you got a hip injury, you got a shoulder injury, BPC-157 is really going to go on there and help heal. On this side, you have thymus and alpha-1 for your immune system. If you're trying to modulate the immune system, you know, whether it's chronic Lyme, you're trying to just boost your, your T-cell count for, um, you know, exposure to a virus, uh, Epstein-Barr, uh, then the thymus and alpha would be the way to go. In between them, I would say is the thymus and beta because it kind of does a little bit of both. Thymus and beta shows up to your, you know, you sprain an ankle, you do have immune cells that go down there because you get heat and you get debris and you can get infections from that. So the thymus and beta is what kind of goes in and, and it modulates the area and, and will recruit stem cells to the area. It has a lot of evidence right now for like regeneration. So people are using it like hair regrowth. But a lot of times I would, you know, and I've not used TB500 by itself. Uh, usually combination BPC-157 or thymus and alpha, depending on immune or, or whatnot. Um, but I do hope to have a little bit more clinical experience to talk about it from a clinical perspective. But that's what I've kind of heard from a, you know, more of a monograph thing. So, mm. but I've not used it a whole lot. Mm. Uh, I'm curious to know if there's any um, research in the realm of COVID. Uh, thymus and alpha, I think that they had some papers you have to double check me on that, but I'm pretty sure they actually did start showing, you know, it increases your, your T cells. So like you're getting infected by a virus and only make, and again, it's like, you got to prove the exact T cell or whatever. Uh, um, but I, I felt like I saw a paper or two. I'd need to, to hit Dr. Google up here real quick, but, um, yeah, it's going to boost the immune system and thymus and beta on, on a little bit of the lower end. It does boost the immune system as well. You know, increases T cells. Um, but thymus and alpha would be more the one I, I would recommend. I was shooting myself up with that. I was going to ask, yeah, when you had when you had COVID, like, did you actually what, what else did you use as part of your protocol? Yeah, I was just taking vitamin D, zinc, selenium. I did some, I think I did some sub Q, um, NAD. I did some B twelve. I really wasn't like I really wasn't scared or hang, hang, you know, to me, it just kind of felt like a little bit of a cold. So I just kind of did, you know, basics, zinc, selenium and vitamin C and all that. Mm. So yeah, we didn't talk much about NAD. Oh, we can go into that. Yeah. Have you gotten into that at all yourself? Jeez. Well, I've only had like a very short experience with um, nicotinamide uh, mononucleotide NMN yeah. a while back. Uh, I can't say I really noticed much. I mean, I'm you know, pretty young and I don't know if it's going to have much of an effect on me, but I'm really keen to get, I'm getting my hands on the um, five amino one MQ like very mm -hmm. soon. But I can't wait for that. Yeah. I mean, I did the, is it Elysium, which is NAD plus. I, I didn't really feel like I noticed a whole lot. Uh, your, your listeners are probably very keen to NAD. The way, the way I like to describe it is that if your cell was a power plant, NAD is like a, a coal truck. It's like a big truck that carries in the electron. So it basically, it's an electron carrier, gives it to the mitochondria to, to create energy and ADP. So if you have, you know, as you age, your NADs are going to get torn down. You're going to have less of them. So you can basically upregulate that. You know, you NMM is right the precursor to it. 5-amino is the NNM inhibitor. So it's going to help you 
increase your storage of it. And I, I took it. I think I noticed a difference in that one more so than taking the actual NAD. It, that one was a tough one because I was taking like CJC and Ampromorelin at the same time. So that's what I'm saying. I'm like, I don't, you know, you do five things at once. It's like, what's doing what? Yeah. I well, might have even been t- taking BPC at the same time too. Yeah. When, when the five amino arrives, I'm going to make sure I'll try it just on its own. Nothing else in my system. Just clear everything else. And I, I think it builds up though too. I don't remember. The half-life's decently long, isn't it? Oh, geez. I don't know. If, is there a data on the half-life? I think I had to dig... For, oh, you know what? I had to dig for it. And I don't think they have a half-life on that, but there's another like isomer, oh. right? That's very similar. You'll have to double check me on that. And I felt like its half-life was like 22 to 26 hours or something. Jeez. Okay. I could... I, I, I'm somewhat dyslexic at times, so I might be confusing that with like dihexa, to be honest with you. Yeah. I don't know if you can Google it real quick. I felt like either way, it was one of those things that um, I felt like as you use it, it kind of stores up and gets more and more and more. Mm. So, yeah, I also asked Ryan if it has, um, if it depletes any other nutrients at the same time. um, What did he say? I thought it. He said said it just would stack really well with like methyl, like methyl donors. Yeah. so because you're right. yeah you're definitely going to need from the methylation cycle you're going to need uh i'd have to think about that mm. yeah, to get out my freaking huge biochemistry thing and watch out <laughs> where everything's flowing because i'm trying to think how nad gets i don't remember how it gets reduced i'll do the preliminary research like on pubmed but as soon as i get my hands on a compound it's like all right next level let's let's dive into things yeah. further yeah, and I like NAD. I've done it in IV form. Uh, I've been actually been doing it more sub Q. IV form, you get like heart, you're not palpitations, it just feels like a heaviness and um, a little bit of flushing. So I've been doing it sub Q. You get a, a little bit of it, but it's um, it's definitely a lot more bearable. Mm. I've I've been doing the patches. You can get like a patch that has like an electromagnetic electrophoresis where it like is, helps supposedly drive it in easier. That one actually made me a little bit anxious. But I can, I can, I'm usually a pretty fast paced person. And sometimes some stimulants can make me a little more anxious. Um, but yeah, NAD in general is great for everything. Mm-hmm. Mitochondria health. Well, what do you need a mitochondria for? Yeah. Everything, right? So, yeah. and I think the main, main place is an addiction, addiction and uh, alcoholism. They're flooding people with N- high amounts of NAD, um, concussions. There's actually really good NAD protocols for that because you got to think about all the damage that's happening and you want to get your mitochondrial um, energy to kind of repair everything. So I feel great off of an NAD IV. Usually the next day, I can I can definitely feel sharper cognitively for several days. Um, and that's something I hope to implement a, l- a little bit more of. I've been doing quite a bit of it. So. Yeah. Yeah, no. Well, as soon as I get my hands on the um, the five amino, I'll keep you updated. Are you gonna Are you gonna stack it with your M and N It's N. I'm gonna. I'll trial it on its own first, like for maybe a couple of weeks. How much you gonna do? Fifty milligrams orally. One of my friends is actually trying to man We're gonna We're gonna try and actually get it made like here. Nice. So that I can finally list it on my site. I think I thought. Taylor May gets their stuff from Australia. Oh, really? Mm. Yeah. From us? No, nah, he would have talked. Really? I, you know, they, well, there was a lot of flack about how everyone gets all their peptide stuff from China. Yeah. 
And I thought I talked to him. He's like, no, we source our stuff out of somewhere in Australia. So I don't know. Sorry if I just gave away trade secrets. <laughs> uh, okay. You know, because the main one of the main problems with peptides is that there's a lot of um, off. Pro- yeah, there's when you're doing chemistry, right? You're using solvents to pull things apart. So you start with a yam and then you get testosterone. All right. Well, how do you do that? You have to like pull out all this gunk and you have to use different chemicals to pull everything apart. Well, in China, they have really low EPA regulations. So you can make, you know, you make 10 batches of NAD and then you have 10 hundred, you have a thousand pounds of just this bio, you know, this toxic chemicals and they just go and throw it in a river. Supposedly, you know, that's why one of the problems and then they're cool with that. But the problem is if you make it in the United States, you have all these EPA regulations. And then just in general, the, the cost of labor in the United States is way higher. You know, when you're talking about taxes and then you have to afford, you know, a building where everything in China is just cheaper. So to my understanding, though, they, they cut the corners in every way, shape and form. And that's how they're able to get it super, super cheap. Mm. So but then there's questions about its, um, its safety. Mm. So if you get some solvents in there, and who knows what what that could mean, and then you're talking about especially injections. So yeah. Oh well, I look forward to. Um, I was getting really like fancy with like designing these amazing cocktails with like five amino, some other cool peptides and stuff like epicatechin and mm-hmm. things like that. It's just so fun, man. This whole space just. To- <laughs> It is. It is 100%. It's like these, these are things we live and it's, and it's one of those things that it's a super useful skill because you'll never stop using it. You mm-hmm. know, like I, I grew up playing football. It's like I put my pads on for the last time when I was like 20. It's like I'm not, I'm not putting on football pads again. You know, United States, not soccer, football. You guys, what do you guys call it? You guys, you call football soccer? We call it soccer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, it's like I'm not, there's a cool skill. I really enjoyed it, but it's not like I'm ever going to go out and do that again. Where yeah. like your health, it's like, why don't we spend a lot of time educating people on it? This is a skill you will literally use to till you die. Mm. So. And then we also had um, oh, melanotan, but I don't know if you had much. I've used it in a couple guys, right? So it's a melanocortopin receptor agonist. Um, I actually had Dr. Amber Crosgird on and we talked about that. She's used that a little bit more. What does she call it? She called it the vac- the vacation peptide because you get tan, um, it boosts your mood, and it gives you uh, increase in sex drive. Mm. Right, so melanotan. And the PT-141, I'm pretty sure is an actual snip off of the melanotan. It's actually a smaller amino acid sequence. So it hits um, the melanotan hits a, a wider variety of receptors than the PT-141. That's why PT-141 is to minor. It doesn't give you the tanning, and it's not quite as much as boosting the mood. But it will definitely. I've had guys get instantaneous erections from it. Mm. So I've not played with that one yet, though. I did the PT one forty one, and it and I, I went like super low dose. I had a friend that got like an eight hour erection from it, and I'm like, that's eh, not what I'm looking to do here. Uh, you know, some people that's their forte. Uh, I don't know. I'd probably give myself a heart attack, something like that. But uh, yeah. So, and we'll see. That that would be medical. That's medical priapism, isn't it? Yeah. It's super dangerous. So you could lose your your dick for Yeah. I mean, technically, so I did, um, do you know what Trimix is? You ever heard of this? Trimix? No. So um, this one's, this one's pretty out there. (laughs) You can, you can take a prostaglandin, uh, phentolamine, 
and, and pepavramine. You're fabricating and, an erection, right? With this? Yeah. <laughs> and you just you shoot it in there and... I think I'm pretty sure that's what they would use in, in, in porn, I guess. I, mean, I don't I don't know enough about the porn industry. Um, and yeah, I know I've known guys that have had not had an erection for 10 plus years use this trimix and it gives them an instantaneous erection. Now it's only gonna last as long as the medication is, is uh, circulating inside of the penis, but it works. And so I've I've dealt with that and I've had to deal with um priapisms before so you can actually Jeez. just shoot in just like a beta one uh fin uh oh, yeah. you yeah, shoot yeah. that in there and it will shrivel it up so there's or a to... super duper high dose of methylene blue because that's like a potent um vasoconstrictor yeah <laughs> or i might try that next time inject methylene blue in the, in the shaft <laughs> um i'm i did i used to do a lot of ed sorry guys if you're having that problem you're gonna have to go somewhere else yeah kind of went down that road for a little bit just because you know a lot of times with trt it kind of crosses over um and i mean again it depends on the severity you know when you have guys that haven't had an erection for 15 years and they're you know and sometimes whatever they're they've not been married or their spouse died or whatever it is so i mean i get it and i'm empathetic and um but it's it's just kind of not my wheelhouse it's not the area that i, I want to practice a lot of medicine in anymore yeah so yeah cool well i think that's pretty much i mean was there anything else any other any other compounds that you've been working with recently or um interested in um what am i thinking about I mean, you've you've kind of already went into detail with most of the growth hormone analogs, Tesmorelin, CJ twelve ninety five, Ampamorelin. Yeah. Um, I don't think I know if I got anything else kind of new coming down the pipe. To be honest, right now, so that's your job right now. You got to tell me the new ones, right? <laughs> well, that's that's the plan, man. I've just pivoted from IG to YouTube. I've just started a brand new YouTube channel. Um, because I really want to, I really want to share a lot of the novel stuff there. Because if I do it on IG, I'll just lose people. They're just not interested. Yeah. Like, and as long as you're not saying too many controversial stuff, I mean, I don't know what your opinion is on all that. I've had videos censored. I talked about ozone. I talked about high dose vitamin C, and that happened in the United States when COVID hit. People, and maybe some people said that they go, "Hey, this is going to treat COVID," which it doesn't. I mean, there's no real evidence to say that these things do. Uh, but I, I just just recommended said, Hey, these might be some things to look into. And I had one of my videos taken down and it dude, it got like two, it got like 2000 views in like a day, which is a lot for my channel. So it actually had some information that people were hungry for. And then they, YouTube said I was spreading misinformation about the virus and they took it down. So mm. the or, or, or their authoritarian world that we live in. Mm. So it's always going to be a battle for us in our industry. We're always going to be a, a struggle. Well, I do. I get so frustrated how there's a lot of people in my profession that are actually like very pro censorship. I'm like, we're the ones that like we're the ones being censored. Like, and that's what what one of my things is like. They're cool, but I'm like, yeah, wait till it happens to us. And we have been censored. We've been censored for years. The the Flexner report and effort like 1910 or whatever is like when they took away license from everyone just but MDs and put them in the driver's seat. We've been called quacks for a hundred years. And you guys want that to continue? Like we have a voice. We have things that people need to hear. We need to be on the front line. Like you're saying, half of it's just getting the information out there. So, you know, I want to give you a, a big Godspeed on your YouTube channel, man. So I've seen that you're, you're probably, you're already like over a thousand people, aren't you? 
No, I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting there. It literally feels like I'm starting from ground zero, though. Like, even though I've got an IG audience, like to get them over and across the, uh, to, my God, it's hard. No, you did. I mean, I mean, I think they. A lot of the social media analysts say that. I think what is it? A hundred, a hundred YouTube subscribers is worth a thousand or ten thousand Instagram subscribers. They're just harder to get. Oh, really? You no. Know? Um, if you can get away with it, one of the things that boosted my channel early on is that I went on Reddit and I posted some of my stuff and that my, my channel got like 500 like straight from the gate. I haven't been spending as much time as I should on it now. Like I said, I've been kind of dabbling with other stuff, but I definitely want to come back to that because I like you, I, I really enjoy... Well, we've had, I think, two really awesome conversations thus far and mm. you know we can piggyback off of each other and uh, go down these rabbit holes and figure out how we can take the, the human you know, physiology, the next level. Yeah. So as long as we can continue doing these things, but you know, it is, you got to go on the dark web to get your peptides and all this stuff. And I'm not recommending that. Yeah. But. Cool. Well, I think that's, um, that pretty much wraps up our episode for my listeners. If they want to, um, learn more about your socials and join you and stuff, where can they find all of your work? I'm on the tube. You can just, it's just DR period M O E. Um, a lot of TRT, a lot of peptides, uh, not for the faint of heart. I've done a couple more current event ones here. I was laughing cause I like lost subscribers. I talked about the election here a little bit. Um, and then I'm on Instagram, but again, like I'm fun. I've, I've pretty much try and just funnel stuff onto YouTube. I think Instagram is just not, it's not a platform for more than 10 second video. Yep really, in my opinion. So if you want to get the goods, you can pop this on and sit in a car and then, uh, you know, learn about all these uh, good good hacks, man. So it's a pleasure as always. I guess you're doing great work. Thanks, man. It's an uh, honor and pleasure to connect with you. And I always walk away uh, learning a lot of cool stuff. So, yeah. Oh, likewise, man. I, um, when I, yeah, when I first saw you on the Jay Campbell show, I was like, yeah, I got to reach out to Dr. Mo. He's, he's so, so glad you did. Yeah. All right, everyone, thanks for tuning in. And Mike, thanks for coming on. Amen. Thanks again, man. And Godspeed, everyone. Thank you, everyone, for joining in to today's episode. For in-depth show notes and lessons learned, visit nofilter.media forward slash boost your biology. This has been a No Filter Media production. Say what you want. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.